what to expect from the Twins at the 2022 winter meetings and a look at another perhaps high upside left-handed outfielder on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Friday, December 2nd, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And this is Nash Walker, three seasons hosting a daily podcast on the Minnesota Twins, four seasons writing about the Twins at twinsdaily.com. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online is where the game starts. Winter meetings get going in about 48 hours. Sunday, the winter meetings will start Sunday through Wednesday in San Diego. And we always know it's the first winter meeting since 2019. We always know there's, there's usually activity. Rumors, at least rumors, sometimes offers, sometimes huge signings. Garrett Cole famously signed in the winter meetings in 2019. So what to expect from the Twins? At the winter meetings, that's a key question for today based on their track record and what we're hearing around for agency and on the trade market, what to expect from the twins. And then another look at, a, a in addition to Cody Bellinger, Michael, Michael Brantley, a higher upside left-handed bat in free agency, the twins could surprise us by signing. And that's Joey Gallo. So Joey Gallo, hot topic clearly, because he went to New York and there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of pressure for him. Big time trade at the deadline in 2021. At the time, Joey Gallo he's always rocks low batting averages. We know that always rocks low batting average, high strikeout rate. He's a, a three true outcomes player. But at the time when he was traded in 2021, he had a 379 on base percentage, drawing a ton of walks, 74 walks in 95 games for Texas. A lot of value in that. He was slugging 490, had an OPS at 869, OPS plus 138. That's 38% better than league average. Yankees thought they were getting a big-time left-handed bat that would play even better at Yankee Stadium. And what they got instead, in 140 games as a Yankee, Joey Gallo hit 159 with an OPS at 660. His on-base percentage plummeted to 291, OPS plus at 84. And now he enters the market, traded again in 2022 to the Dodgers, and was basically the same guy for the Dodgers. Thought, oh, get him out of New York and he'll be fine out of that big market. He had a rough second half of the season as well, but he just turned 29 in November and he's going on the open market. Like Cody Bellinger, less extreme, but like Cody Bellinger, Gallo was set up to get a, a big payday in free agency. And, and you look at his batting averages, he's a career 199 hitter. And you'd say, why would he be in over a thousand strikeouts in 752 games? Think of why would he get paid? In his career, he's been known to draw walks, hit for power. He's got ridiculous raw power. And he's a very good right fielder. He's a very good outfielder. Always ranks near the top of the league in, in arm strength, in jump. So he's a very good right fielder. He can play center in a pinch, but mostly it's his bat and his his batted ball data. When he makes contact, he absolutely destroys the ball. There are some Miguel Sano comparisons here, but I would argue that Gallo has had more success as a three true outcomes player 
than Miguel Sano has to this point. And John Becker's median has Gallo making one year or making 10 million on a one year deal in free agency. And we don't even know if Miguel Sano will sign a major league contract. The reason for that being is I think there is hope that Joey Gallo at 29 still has something left in the tank, get back to the guy he was in Texas, which is, you know, a four win player. He was a four win player in 2021, nearly a five win player, 3.1 win player in 2019. So three to four win player, you're hoping he could get back there and it'd be super valuable on a one year, $10 million deal. He's a three time gold glove winner. He's a three time all-star is Joey Gallo or two time all-star is Joey Gallo. So I guess that, that counted. So two gold gloves, and two all-star appearances. We got that right. It counted the Yankees as double. So two gold gloves, two all-star appearances for Joey Gallo. What happened to him? I think a lot of it is like Cody Bellinger. When you stop hitting right-handed fastballs as a grip-and-rip left-handed power hitter, it's, it's going to go downhill. And Joey Gallo, you look at 2019, expected weighted on-base average against fastballs, right-handed fastballs, 463. That is absurdly high. Exit velocity on right-handed fastballs. He saw 500 of them, and I think he put 97. It looks like he had 97 plate appearances with one in play. Average exit velocity, 97 miles an hour on right-handed fastballs. Good against breaking balls, too, but just fastball destroyer. And then in 2022, plummeted. Expected Woba, 329. Exit Vila went down four miles an hour. He's whiffing more. He swings and misses a ton. He strikes out a lot. If you can get him connected again, on fastballs, you can get him timed up again and and figure out what happened to his swing, and he gets back to the guy he was. Yes, he's a middle of the order bat because he draws walks, he hits for power, he's got thirty home run power, he hit thirty eight homers in twenty twenty one, he hit you know twenty two in twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen he hit forty. He's got big time power, and you know that. So there's some upside here with Joey Gallo, but I think there's also this feeling like. He's the antithesis of Michael Brantley, almost the antithesis, but at his best, Joey Gallo at his best, which if you combine 2019, 2020, 2021, the COVID season wasn't great for him, but at his best, he's got a 350 on base percentage. You know, he's going to slug close to 500. His OPS is going to be in the 850 range. That's who he can be. He's been that in the past with elite defense and right field, the ability to play center, just overall a plus-plus player, even though the batting averages are always going to be low. He's always going to strike out a lot. He can still provide value because he, he draws walks, and when he does make contact, he's driving in runs, and he's hitting for power, and he's doing damage on the ball. So as like a five- or a six-hole hitter, yes, Joey Gallo was very valuable in Texas, and uh, the Yankees thought they were getting a very valuable left-handed bat. He wasn't that dude. Would the Twins be interested in him? Maybe the same case as Cody Bellinger. Maybe they see his value so low that that he could have a great first half. You flip him at the deadline or he has a great first half and you keep him for a hopeful playoff run. It's possible they'd be interested in someone like Joey Gallo, but first they would have to move on from Max Kepler. Would you rather have Max Kepler in right field for $8.5 or Joey Gallo for that same range? I think it's a debate. I think it's a debate because Gallo is a, probably a better defender. I know Kepler is one of the best right fielders in baseball defensively by outs above average, but you're at least getting some power upside. Interesting question, though. Let me know what you think about that. Kepler or Gallo in right field for the same price. Uh, twins would have to trade Kepler in that case. What to expect from the Twins at the 2022 winter meetings in San Diego? Coming up after this word from betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, 
We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts and you've already listened to all those Locked On shows, you can find other podcasts at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts again. If you like to use the desktop, that's great. If you have an iPad, iPhone, it's awesome on mobile. It's just very easy to use. It's very user-friendly, and they have legitimately everything you're looking for as the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Head to the website today or use that mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, BetOnline, for sponsoring today's episode of Locked On Twins. Again, head over to BetOnline.net. It is where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. For your second listen today, check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. What to expect from the Twins at the 2022 winter meetings? The best way to do this is to look at, yes, the present, and, and we'll get into that, but the past. What have they done? in the past at the winter meetings. And the most recent winter meeting was 2019. And what came out of 2019 at the winter meetings, I believe Zach Wheeler signed either at the meetings or shortly after. But we found out the twins met with Boris to talk about Zach Wheeler. I think Wheeler was a Boris Klein, whoever was his agent. I think it was Boris. They met with him at the winter meetings. They were very much interested in Zach Wheeler. They made Zach Wheeler a, an offer. Wasn't enough. Clearly he goes to Philly. His wife is, is, around the area and he wanted to be out east closer to family but the twins were making offers at the winter meetings and then Lavelle Neal had a piece at the Star Tribune this was kind of the beginning of the Josh Donaldson saga in 2019 came out of the winter meetings and, and Lavelle dropped this piece the headline was twins making a run at ex-MVP Donaldson so what you could see here at these winter meetings is maybe the twins aren't going to sign somebody we'll get to that in a little bit but I think we're going to get information on who else they're interested in because so far, and this is the sense, and this is what it feels like their focus is, is solely on Carlos Correa in free agency. It feels like they don't want to move on really anything else until they get shortstop figured out. And I don't blame them because whoever is playing shortstop, it changes the calculus of your entire off season. I think if you don't get Correa, well, then you make a harder run at Rodon or you make a harder run at Contreras. So you make a harder run at XYZ. I would argue they should make a run at both anyway, but it changes the, the calculus of the offseason completely. If you do have Cray at short, I think maybe you take a chance on some higher upside players to maximize 2023 and 2024. You take maybe more chances in general. If you have Correa at short, it changes things completely, whether he is playing shortstop or not on opening day, whether he's in your projected roster and your projected lineup. I think we're going to be surprised by the winter meetings. I think there's going to be at least one major signing. Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon, I believe all three signed at the 2019 winter meetings, when one thing starts get starts to get going, multiple things move and these gears start to move and it, this gear impacts this gear and this player signing impacts this player's free agency. I love that about the market. It makes it so fun because you see the dominoes. There's this domino effect. Oh, Aaron Judge signed with the Yankees. The domino effect of that is, oh, the Giants are left out in the cold. Aaron Judge signs with the Giants. Where do the Yankees go, right? They just lost their superstar right fielder. The dominoes are in play and they absolutely impact the twins because the twins are playing at the top of the market and we're not really used to that, but they are. And they're very much making it known, at least in the media, they want Carlos Correa back and they're willing to give Carlos Correa a lot of money in free agency. 
the ideal scenario for the twins at the winter meetings is you lock up Carlos Correa. That's the ideal scenario. I don't think it's going to happen, but Boris does have a lot of clients. You know, Bogarts is his client as well. And the twins hopefully, and it feels like they have a good relationship with him, with Scott Boris. So the best case scenario is you lock down one of those two shortstops at the winter meetings. And then, then you go, now you can move on and you can look at catcher. I think they have been looking at catcher, but you can move on and, and deal with the rest of the roster. Cause everything we've heard is they're so concerned about short. And again, as they should be, because that's their biggest hole on the team. And they don't really have other than catcher another hole. They need to pay really close attention to right now. But the reason they want to know about Correa is because they need to know where their money's going. They need to know who they're pursuing, who they're putting energy into, and how they can evaluate the rest of this market. I would expect the Twins to operate the way they have in the past, this front office, which you're not going to see a big-time signing early in the offseason. They signed Nelson Cruz in December. I think that was late December before New Year's. That that was one of their earliest signings was when they first signed Nelson Cruz. I, I don't know if you're going to see a big signing from the Twins. And I, I especially think that's true because they are pursuing Carlos Correa. I don't know if Correa is going to sign before January because what's his incentive to do so? I think he's going to wait for Trey Turner, probably maybe even wait for Bogarts. But I think the order it's going to go in, Swanson's kind of the wild card, Dansby Swanson. I think Turner's going to sign first. I think it's going to be with Philly. And that's going to set things in motion. And then I think there's going to be a delay and we're going to expect Correa to sign shortly after, but it's not going to happen. And then Correa is going to sign second, but not, not soon. And then it's going to be Bogarts after Correa. I think those, those guys are setting the market for each other. Turner sets the market for Correa. Correa sets the market for Bogarts, even though I, I think Correa and Turner are going to make a, a, around the same amount of money. I could see the Phillies giving Trey Turner 300 million. You know, tomorrow, Dave Dombrowski and the Phillies coming off a, a pennant, absolutely giving him 300 million. So Correa, I'm sure, would love for that to happen because then he's saying, "Oh, I think I'm better than Trey Turner. You know, look at my numbers. I deserve 330. I deserve 350. If you're going to give Trey Turner three, I better get more than him." And now you've set the market. I think Correa is going to wait for that. I don't know if he wants to be the guy. I don't know, but I don't think he wants to be the guy to set this market because he views himself as the best shortstop on the market, as he should. And we'll see, you know, who ends up off the board first. But I do think it's going to go Turner, Correa, Bogarts, maybe Swanson files in there somewhere. I, I just view him on a lesser level than the other three. I think Swanson's the fourth best shortstop. He's not that far off from Bogarts, but I think Bogarts is going to get more money because offensively he's he's super dynamic and good even though his power was down in 2022. And I think there's questions about Dansby offensively. That was a career year. You know, he, he only hits fastballs. I think there's questions about him at the plate, less so than there are for Xander Bogarts. And then there's maybe more questions for Xander in the field, even though he's coming off a career year defensively. It's, it's interesting how all of these guys match up with each other. That's how I view the market shaping up on the shortstop side. And I think Aaron Judge is the key. Aaron judges the key to the offseason in terms of setting things in motion because he's he's going to get the largest contract. So once Judge's number is set, everybody works off of that. And it's similar to Trey Turner, but once Judge gets his money, then everybody falls in line. And oh, okay, Judge got 380 or Judge, whatever he gets, 350, 380, has a major impact on everybody else. You're setting the market with the best free agent. If Judge gets 380, Correa is probably thinking I should get 330. You know, if Judge gets 330, maybe Correa is going to take 300 or 280 or whatever that may be. I'm going to stand by it, even though these prices thus far have been 
exorbitant, but we've seen that before early in off seasons. It is the buy now price on Zach Eflin or Mike Clevenger, Matthew Boyd. It's still early, which is frustrating because it's already December, but it's still early. We've barely seen anything. I'm going to stand by my prediction that Carlos Correa does not make uh, $300 million. I think he's going to sign a contract in the 280 range. Could be dead wrong. Like could announce tomorrow that the Giants are signing Correa for 350, and I'd be like, "Well, okay." I wouldn't be surprised, but my that's my prediction. I think he's going to come in about nine, eight, nine years, 270, 280 million, and I, I don't think it's going to happen particularly quickly. And the longer it goes on, the worse it probably is for the Twins because there's going to be teams that will get desperate. There are teams that will miss out on other players. There are teams that have money to spend that that vastly outperforms the Twins self-imposed payroll that will get involved in this market because it's Carlos Correa. And I, I think the best chance they stand, and it's not a good chance, but the best chance they stand is you sign him, you sign him next week in San Diego. You give him you give him an offer he's good with, you know, whether that includes bells and whistles, opt-outs, no trade clauses, whatever it may be to make him sign the paper. That's the best case scenario. The longer it goes, I think the more likely it is, again, that other teams get involved, but also that the twins realize like we can't, we can't do this. We can't wait this long for him. We have, you know, we want to do other things. And I'm not saying that would be the right approach. I think the longer it goes, the worse it is for them. That hasn't been true before. Like in the Donaldson sweepstakes, it was clear the longer it goes, the better it is for the twins because that means he's not coming to an agreement with his incumbent Braves. The longer it stretches, okay, the twins have a better chance in this thing. Last year with Correa, the longer it stretches, even though he wasn't even on our radar, my radar at least, I don't know if he was on yours, but crazy, He, the longer it went, the better it was for the twins because that means he's not getting the offers he wants. And I guess that's true this time around, but it's true because he's not getting the offer he wants from the twins this time. That's the difference. Other teams, you know, might sit around. The Dodgers can afford to sit around, right? The uh, Giants can afford that. They they have different payrolls. They have different spending limitations, and that's the reality of the situation. The Twins need to sign him early, and I think they realize that, and that's why there's this pressure, and, and you're starting to hear leaks like, oh, the Twins are the favorite to sign Carlos Correa. The Twins are trying hard to get him back. Part of that might be media posturing to to let the fan base down easy when he signs somewhere else, and we're just saying, oh, we tried hard for him. Everybody loves that. I know. <laughs> I know Twins territory on Twitter loves that, but I'll be really interested to see what happens at the winter meetings. I do think things will kick into motion. I think we're going to get a lot of rumors. You're going to hear Correa rumors with the Twins, without the Twins, Aaron Judge. All of that is going to come to a head, I think, in some ways at the winter meetings. Not everybody's getting signed at the winter meetings, but it starts Sunday. And uh, again, the best case scenario for the Twins is he signs within the next week, which is highly unlikely. And it's highly unlikely they retain Carlos Correa. But that's their best chance in my mind. If we get through the winter meetings, we get through that week, you know, we're getting toward the holiday. Judge signs or doesn't. Either way, I expect him to, though. He's got two teams. You know, he's picking between two teams, the Yankees and Giants. The further this gets along, the more pessimistic I'm going to become. Because we know the Twins have been aggressive. We know they have. Like We know the Twins have been aggressive or in their minds have been aggressive to sign him. And if he's not signing, it's not enough. And it's always possible that they come up with the money and they they revise offers and they give him what he's looking for. But at the end of the day, they're very much unlikely to have the highest bid at the end of the offseason or in January or February. You need to secure him as soon as possible, ideally in San Diego at the winter meetings. And then you start your off season from a completely different scope. You're starting from 
and that's square one. That's square one. You're starting with him at short, and you say, okay, we got him locked up for $35 million. Let's bump this payroll, and we're going to go out and get some more pieces because we have Correa, and, and we need to build around him and Buxton and, and try to build a winner. You commit to it at that point, I think, when you sign him, and you're, you're making a commitment to him that you are going to do your very best to build a winner around him. Even though he costs a ton of money, you're trying to win if you're signing Carlos Correa and you want to win now in his prime, you know, age 28 season, same with last year. Right. But we didn't see them. We didn't see them go crazy. They, they missed out on another frontline starter. We saw it come back to bite them. The bullpen was extremely shaky. It was a question mark going into the season. They weren't as fortified. They can go into 2023 much more fortified. They can go into 2023 with a rotation that resembles an actual rotation with good pitchers, you know, four or five, solid pitchers and, and hopefully a frontline guy mixed in there they go out and add they can go into the season with a bullpen with yonder now as one of the best relievers in baseball that looks way better on paper than the one last year and that's starting from a low point but it's reality you can go into 2023 with an infield of Luis Arise, jorge polanco carlos correa jose miranda you got a catcher you're going to bring in with ryan jeffers hopefully a, a solid good catcher whether that's Wilson Contreras, Omar Narvaez, whoever, and you can go into 2023 and look like a, a legit competitive team. They absolutely have the tools to do that. I think they have the roster in place to do that, where they, if they make the right moves, and I said this last year too, they can be a competitive team in 2023. Last year, maybe more of a, a chip in a chair chance. This year, because the rotation, you've added Sonny Gray and Tyler Malley. Joe Ryan had a really solid rookie year. You know, Bailey Ober and Kenta Maeda, you're hopeful will be back and, and ready to go. It's a different scope in the rotation, which kind of changes the entire outlook. Not completely. You know, there's still a 500 team on paper right now via zips, but it changes things in, in that you feel you feel like you have a better starting point. You have a better starting point than you did a year ago, and we'll see just how much they take advantage of that, not only in the entire offseason, but at the winter meetings specifically. We're going to have coverage all of next week of the winter meetings in San Diego, so join me then. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts on, the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And as always, go Twins.